over in nine years. Human error. Infinity. On a distant planet. Our galaxy. Android. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Podcast Land. This is Chuck from Black and White Reviews. I'm, I'm Lee. <laughs> um, I'm Will. That was like, that's like if an AI took a script from exactly. all, of our, all of our podcasts and just kind of put it together. Like, huh? What? Wait a minute. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Thank so you. Uh, what are we doing today, Lee? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you tell aren't, me. Aren't you, aren't you leading today? <laughs> no, today as we have been, you know, filling in um, just some random fillers here as we're waiting for the next um, set of TV shows to come out. Um, we have been just doing, you know, off the cuff things, talking about what we like, what we don't like. Um, today we're going to kind of go into, you know, everything directors for a film. Um, directors we like, directors we don't like you know, what we like about them and, you know, kind of go from there. Um, I really want to start off with um, Will's favorite director, Michael Bay. Yeah, sure. And, I was just um, about to say, let's start with directors <laughs> that we don't like and we could talk about Michael Bay for a couple of minutes. And I was going to let you start with that because I'm sorry, I enjoy quite a few of his movies. So, in so case, we're on so, opposite sides of the Michael Bay. Yeah, so nobody spectrum. nobody <laughs> nobody knows because the um the review hasn't been released yet, but recently we recorded uh, um a review of a movie called The Island. Um Michael Bay. What what can be said about Michael Bay that hasn't already been said a thousand times? <laughs> I, boom. Okay. Kaboom. Kaboom. Exactly. <laughs> Kaboom. Big booms in the background. But big, 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 big booms. Bada boom. Big, big bada, bada booms. Bada boom. Oh my God. So here's okay. Here's the thing. And I recognize this when we were talking about the island. The island is a good movie. The island has a very solid premise. I just do not think that Michael Bay can handle something like that, something as nuanced as clones. That it's a very delicate subject that I think would have been better handled in somebody, better handled with somebody like a David Fincher, or even, hmm. or even a Christopher Nolan, would have been able to do a much better job with that subject. Not Michael Bay. Because Michael Bay turned it into shoot 'em up, bang bang, action. This, his his weird, you know, bluish yellow tint that he has to put all over everything, <laughs> like every frame, every shot. It's so weird. He he has really weird styles when he does angles. It just it doesn't work. For sir, I just I don't. I, I'm all set. That the horrid Transformer movies that he's been doing. Like, he has one or two good films that I actually like. I like the first Bad Boys movie. But that yeah. was 1995. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else of that caliber that he's ever put up <gasps> since 13 then. 13 Hours? I haven't seen it yet. You did tell me about Fan. that. To go Fantastic. watch 13 Hours. I haven't watched it yet. <clears throat> I just, you have to watch Pain I, and Gain, too. No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> no, I do not. It is fantastic. It is so fantastic. I mean, you got, let me see here. Mark Wahlberg. Yep. Dwayne Johnson. 
<laughs> yeah. No, thank you. And Anthony Mackie, <laughs> you got the Falcon. Come on. <laughs> like these guys. Okay. There is a scene in this movie where they are outside an apartment building complex and they're barbecuing and Dwayne Johnson is flipping human hands on this barbecue. <laughs> It's the most ridiculous movie ever, but it's fantastic. It is fantastic. That sounds stupid. I don't know. He rubs me. The, you might. Just, Michael Bay just rubs me the wrong way. I'm not a fan. Who's your? Who would you say is your favorite director? <clears throat> or do you? Or would it be Fincher? No. It would either be Tarantino or Kubrick. Mm. It's that, that that that's that's a difficult one for me. It would either be Tarantino or Kubrick. I don't know. Because both See, of their I don't fil- have a favorite. Both of their, both of their filmographies, I adore. I don't think either one of them ever put out a bad film. Nope. I, I really can't think of a bad movie that either one of those men um, um, released. They were both incredibly innovative. And if you look at every, if you look at almost any like serious um, <laughs> filmmaker that's come out since the two of them, they both kind of started their own genre. Like there's a whole litany of movies out there that are based upon like the Tarantino style, where it's either where it's either a story that's told out of sequence or the dialogue is so ridiculously over the top to the point where it's almost unbelievable. Um, in the case of a Kubrick, I could point to somebody like a Paul Thomas Anderson and say that every shot that Paul Thomas Anderson puts in one of his films means something. You just have to, you know, be patient enough to find out what it actually is. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, that's a direct derivative of, of what Kubrick was doing because he was actually a, a photographer before he became a filmmaker. So you enjoy a lot of the older films then, huh? Y- y- yeah, yes. Older directors when they actually put thought into what they were doing and not just like, <clears throat> you know, they weren't using CG for everything. They were you. They were trying to actually utilize the skill of the camera to make the movie tell a story. Do I the one which I do see? Do I the one a of lot of directors a couple of years miss ago. out the story? I, I was going to ask just one question. Do I the one of you remember a couple of years ago when um, Scorsese was bombasted with 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 just a whole bunch of ill will from people when he said that um, you know the MCU don't put out movies. Mm. Do other one of you remember I that? Mean, where he in no, so many words in so many words he said that those are not movies. Hmm. I tend to agree with him. It's more CGI than film. It's more computer animated. It's more it, it's more special effect than it's film. It's more spectacle than it is story. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, it is now. In the beginning when the MCU came <clears throat> out, it wasn't. Are you serious? Iron Man was mostly CG. Yes. I think that's what like he was. All of I think that's what Scorsese was trying to say. Like Iron yeah. Man 
you know, uh, Captain America. Let's just take those. They're not. Oh yeah, you're right. The Incredible Hulk. There was no CG in that. <laughs> the the Incredible. There you go. Like they're not. They're not a movie in the traditional sense. No. No, they're not. I think that's they, what he was trying animated. to say. Yeah, I think that's what he was trying to say, and I tend to agree with that. I would not put. Okay. So the, th- the, th- the three of us, you know, tried a couple of times to talk about, like, trying to put, like, a rating on movies or somewhat of a, a, a rating scale that we give, you know, to films. And I was the first one that said, yeah, that might not be the best idea because of that reason. How would you right. rate an MCU film against, let's just say, I don't know. I, and I'm drawing blanks here. What are we doing? A regular film. A regular film. Okay, so this this weekend, Chuck is going to be doing Catch Me If You Can. How would you rate Catch Me If You Can against an MCU film? How would you even put them both on the same bar? It's not fair. Because one's an actual story and one's just... So that's, so that's where I get confused with you particularly because you don't like shoot 'em up bang bang films, which is why you don't like action, but you love MCU, which is primarily a shoot 'em up bang bang no, no, MCU is ridiculous nonsense and aliens. And it's it's completely different. It's nonsensical. It's aliens. It's superhero stuff, which that's part of the that's part of the charm of of a superhero movie. It's like, oh, here's the hero doing superhero things that I cannot do. Good job. But if I right. watch an action movie shoot 'em up bang bang, it's like there there's there's no way that, you know, Bruce Willis survives those falls in, in, in some of those <laughs> movies that he's done. It's just completely out of the realm of possibility at all. And it kind of sucks you out of it. Like, we're watching a real movie we're with real people, and, and they're on set, and they're using film and, and the cameras and everything. They're using little to no special effects at all. But just mm. the feats that a lot of those actors and actresses do in films <clears throat> like that is completely impossible. Yes, Somebody is firing at you with a machine gun and you're in a narrow hall and for some reason you are not hit by one bullet. This is unbelievable. Mm. This is not realistic at all. And that kind of thing that's sucks been, me out of a lot of action movies. But that's been happening to Bruce Willis since like 1982. I understand that. <laughs> Every movie he plays in, he gets, you know, um, he gets, you know, at least three or four automatic weapons you know, peppering bullets his direction, and he hasn't. Not get true. Hit. Not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. No. Sixth Sense, Death Becomes Her, multiple movies where he was not an actually an action star. I get that, but I'm saying is he's been doing this since the early '80s. Well, I think the the greatest thing about I know we're talking directors here, but the coolest thing about Bruce Willis just himself is he did not start off as an action star. He was the most unlikely action star when they brought him into Die Hard. The guy was from what was that show Moonlighting? Uh-huh. Yeah, that he was in, and it was like a like a rom com, right? Sitcom or something, or whatever it was. I never watched it, but it was like he came from like this goofy, like romance comedy type background, and they're like, let's put him in an action film, and they did, and it and he blew up. It's insane that he just became known as somebody who would be in, say, no. The Expendables. Everything around him except for Bruce Willis blew up. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I still don't understand why he gave away that he had a machine gun. Like, he had the element of surprise, and he's just like, nah. He basically Luke Skywalkered that thing right over the cliff. 
I wonder but, how he does the entire movie in bare feet, but hey, that's just. Oh, actually, actually, um, if you watch, um, if you watch closely, he's wearing, um, coverings that look like feet over his feet for many of the scenes. That's because I get that, but I'm, I'm just oh. saying for the character, <laughs> for the character, he is barefoot. Yeah. Uh huh. <clears throat> this works. He's manfoot. This is completely. This is completely fine. I don't know, but like we're talking directors, like I would not like if like like we're talking directors here, and just you know to further further my point, I would not, I would not put like the Russo brothers on a list like that. No, 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 no. I think so. When you talk about what they've done, that's made those movies so awesome, is that they made so many movies and they they linked them in together. And created like a backstory that ended up becoming the big full story that's been being told since the beginning. Yes. Even though they've had their own separate stories. Now, that's something we haven't seen before outside of like a TV series. Yes. So that's what that's what made that so good. But if you're talking about like what's great about filmmaking, you wouldn't say the MCU movies are even like film in that sense. No, I wouldn't. You know, yeah, I wouldn't. I would be really I would be really uncomfortable like. If we had a rating system and we, what do we do? The grayscale. Sure. And we had, and we, so for example, like we have the matrix on that scale. I would, I would, I would be, I would be, other movies. I would be really uncomfortable, like putting that against any other film. Film. Right. Like actual movie. Like an actual Mm -hmm. movie. Right. You know, and that's what I that's what I do miss <clears throat> is when you have these actors that become directors. So, for example, I, I know he's gone psychotic and crazy these days, but back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when Mel Gibson became a director, director, writer, actor, all kind of at the same time, the, there was a handful of films that he created. Braveheart, We Were Soldiers, you know, Patriot, stuff like that, which told a story they were fantastically written fan they were beautifully acted um and they were they were movies that you know had a massive impact peter jackson for me is a guy who knows how to tell a story through film um same with nolan um you know and that's what i appreciate with a good director as someone who knows who actually takes the camera and makes the camera a character in the film. Mm. And there's not a lot of good directors that do that. Um, Ridley Scott used to kind of be on my radar, but he, he does some wonky stuff, kind of like Michael Bay, uh, where Michael Bay does the blue, you know, the, that like yellowish blue or green tint. Um, Ridley Scott does this like fuzzy blurry type of vision with the camera, which is his little signature thing, but it, it's still, it's, it, it almost makes the movie at times hard to watch. Mm. Um, so there are directors who kind of go a little too far with the camera. And then there are some who, you know, do nothing except for kind of put on a tripod and just let it sit there, which, you know, you can tell it's just doing nothing. Um, and then you have the ones that tell the story and the ones that tell the story with the camera are the ones that stick with me for a long time. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I'm not a fan of the movie Avatar, but when James Cameron did that movie, 
he did a great job telling a story with the camera. Uh, I'll be right. even though there was so much CG in that film, he still did a fantastic job telling a story with his camera. And I think that that right there is what catches a lot with me. You know, um, Peter Jackson's probably up there. Mel Gibson back in his day is up on my list for me. Um, but then you know, you know, Will, I, I do like to sit. You know, unlike the two of you, <laughs> I do like the. You know, the sit back and, you know, the shoot 'em up bang bang films that we talk about. I do enjoy those. So if I'm in that mood, for me, a Michael Bay film is great. You know, starting out though as a music video director and to doing what he is doing today, you know, he's come a long way. And one of his last movies was 13 Hours. And if you see that movie, for me, that started to shift my thinking on how much more he could actually do if he did more than just what, you know, the Transformers bad boy type films. Cause those are what he's primarily known for, you know, take those out. And what does he have? Not much, but he's got, you know, two thirds of one trilogy and he's got five films of a saga that everybody knows who he is. Cause they're all huge blockbuster films. So, I mean, he's doing something right, but maybe he's doing what, um, Feige's doing now with MCU. He's he just bought into the cash cow and he's giving everybody exactly that thing that they want versus kind of going out on their own. Mm. Lee. Yes. Thoughts. You're asking me directors. My thoughts on those directors. Honestly, your own. It's a really it's a <laughs> it's a really hard question for me to answer. Because I feel like um, just as the years have gone on, I've just had so much appreciation for different directors for what they do. So when we're when we're breaking things down and saying you can't compare, you know, say an MCU movie to a Scorsese film or something like that. Yeah, it's the same kind of idea for me because it's like each genre has their director that really shines for me. So I feel like I mean, I know that you you really feel like Interstellar was very spoon fed. But I thought Christopher Nolan did a really great job with that concept, you know, of I would almost put him in like the sci-fi because between Tenet and Interstellar, I would call those sci-fi because they're it's it's crazy. It's weird, you know, the way that they're doing stuff. And I thought those films were both fantastic films. So I, I really if I was to go for sci-fi right now, um, I'd say like George Lucas, obviously you can't not credit him for you know what he did bringing the Star Wars universe into existence. And then Christopher Nolan, as far as what he's been doing nowadays, you know, even with um, the Dark Knight trilogy, which was not sci-fi, but superhero or, you know, action um, film. I think that, you know, Nolan's Nolan's right up there. He's he's done some amazing things. We've seen him do the more dramatic stuff. We've seen him do like the overdramatic stuff. And we've seen him and him touch upon sci-fi. And I agree with you when we were talking about the island for a moment there. That would be really interesting to see what Nolan would have done with the island. That movie would have been like 50 times better if he was at the helm. I mean, even back then in 2005, I mean, when did Memento come out? You know, that was, um, yeah, I wouldn't have put it past him to do something like that. Early 2000s. Um, yeah, I mean, Inception, fantastic film. I would also say that was borderline sci-fi. You know, we're Inception using technology to go in people's... Well, yeah, I mean, dreams, going into dreams, yeah. So it's like, I would say that he's up there as my favorite for today's current sci-fi. Um, you go into, like, thriller and stuff like that. M. Night, 
he's had his ups and downs. He's hit or miss. But he's hit or he's, miss. You know, he's, he's definitely. 50-50. Yeah, I'd say that he's he's fifty fifty. He he's got some great ones. I mean, you you can't deny that the that uh, the Sixth Sense was it was you know a fantastic breakout you know into mainstream um, video mainstream media for him. It was it was very well put together. And you know, and you had signs. Signs came in there and, and blew people away at how how much you can create suspense without actually really showing things very much. You know, those those two times you see the alien creature, or three times really. Um, well, there's a few times you do, but it's very very minimal. You see it walking across the alleyway. You see the hand on the kid's shoulder. You see the hand under the door, and the fingers get cut off. And then you see it, the reflection of him standing there holding the kid. You know, spraying gas into his lungs. It's like wow. Like those are the only times you see it, but the whole movie is based on suspense, and it's like that's really well put together. M Night Shyamalan is so weird to me because he's he's indie at heart, and you can tell oh, yeah. that he's indie at absolutely. Heart. But he's making these movies for like mainstream consumption, and it just <laughs> blows my mind that it actually works, or at least I it know. used to. Like Sixth Sense, Signs, and and what was the Unbreakable? Like those three movies in my opinion, had no business getting mainstream releases. Those are three, like, oh, indie, no. indie, indie films. Like, the concepts in within, just the way that they're shot and everything, is like, these, 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 are, these are indie movies through and through. Like, there's, so he's, I can't he's an indie believe, director I cannot with believe a mainstream that, budget. Mainstream, that, that, that he was given <laughs> mainstream budget for those three films. Especially, right. what, what was the first one? What was the first big one? He, was it Sixth Sense or was it Unbreakable? I think, it, I'm pretty sure it Sixth was Sixth Sense. Sense. It was Sixth yeah. Sense? Yeah, Unbreakable was uh was like two thousand one or something. That's like amazing. That. Two thousand. That's amazing. It's yeah. That's that that blows yep. my mind. I mean, yeah. good good for him for for actually you know convincing somebody in Hollywood to like um fund his film and like throw it out there like that because that should have been that movie should have been like at the Cannes Film Festival well, like <laughs> like 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 for two or three runs through and then you know, a whole bunch of people outside of like the niche audience would have forgot about it. Like it's crazy to me. Right. And here's what happened too is in 99, he did the sixth sense in 2000, he had unbreakable. And then in 2002, he did signs. There was two eh, movies that no one heard about until before Sixth Sense, And those three movies were fantastic. But then the village came out and it was like, huh? The village wasn't bad. The village was awful. I, don't, then, I mean, Lady it wasn't in the, Lady in the Water. He, he, Lady in the Water came out and it got worse. And then the happening happened. He, he and like, took a nosedive. Wow. Like his his and yeah. he did his he did career Last Airbender. Took a, yeah, he did. He did After Earth. That was with Will Smith, wasn't it? And his son. I didn't Jayden. realize yeah. he. Did, I didn't realize he did that. Yeah. Huh. Wow. That that's off my radar. I remember like, watching what, that movie and. What is happening? Yeah. What is that's happening? Interesting. But those those I, three movies are what really put him on the map, and then he kind of went. He did After Earth, then he did The Visit, which you know mm-hmm. we've talked about. Um, then he did Split, which I then uh, when he did Split, I was like, okay, he's here, coming he, back. He's, he's coming back. Yeah. I haven't seen Glass yet, and then there's you a still few, haven't oh, seen Glass. No, why didn't um, we watch Glass a few nights ago? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. But then he there's other stuff that you know. It's like, hmm. what, what, like, what's he, what's he really, you know, what's he really doing? And it's like, out of the what? So you named, that he has, you named, he's got four good ones. 
<laughs> I would say he has more than four good ones. I mean, you named you yeah. named nine movies, and the three in the middle are his duds. The three in the, the well, three or four movies that you named, they're in the middle. So the village, village lady in the water, lady in the water, lady in the water, last, and the happening. The yeah. happening. The last Airbender. Yes. Yeah. After, After Earth, Earth. That's five. That's five. Okay. Out of nine. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Okay. Fine. The visit yeah. is like a 50-50. Either you love it, but that's all of his films, though. Either you love them or you hate them. I haven't met somebody who's like eh about M Night Shyamalan. They're either either like on board with it or they're totally turned off by it. One of the well, two. Well, I, I am. I could say that I'm eh about him because it's like I really enjoyed what he did, but after seeing what he put out after that, I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know. It happens, you know, like you can't, you can't win every time, you know, there's some, there's some directors where they put stuff out and you're like, yeah, I love this. Or it's like, ah, that could have been better. But it's like, he's either really great or just like, wow, why, why did you waste your time? Like, why was so much effort put into that? You know, but that's what you, that goes back to what you were saying, Will, is he's, he's an indie director, but he, but with a, with a mainstream budget. Yes. You know, he's got a Hollywood budget, but he's an indie director. Yes. So it's interesting that he has that, and people will watch them because they're promoted as as mainstream Hollywood films. Um, but I, I would definitely say Split and Glass. I loved Split. Glass wasn't as good as Split. No. No, it was just, like, cool that he had a trilogy, you know, a superhero trilogy. It, it, but, it felt um, like a forced conclusion. Absolutely. Absolutely I think that's it was. the best oh, well, way we, that We I talked about it. that. I mean, without getting into too many details, their their explanation was just something they randomly made up. It it almost reminds me of uh, so in Back to the Future in the in the Back to the Future trilogy, as we all know, the first movie was the only movie, and then later on, because they put to be continued up there at the end as a joke, people were clamoring for an actual uh, sequel. So then they made two and three after that, and suddenly in two, they came up with this concept that was not at all in the original movie that was very corny, was the whole chicken thing. Don't ever call me chicken. So every time somebody said chicken, it would like, done, the music stopped, and he goes into this weird thing where suddenly he's very different than he was in the original movie, you know? So they made this up to make it, to make the story have a moral. You know, the whole trilogy had a moral, which is all based around he had to learn how to let go and, you know, let somebody else deal with it and not feel like ashamed for being called chicken. And that's why he never got into the accident with the Rolls Royce and all that stuff. And in the end, everything turned out better. Like they made this up because that's what they did. And Glass, that is the only movie that they made up this random thing that never existed in the first movie or in the second movie. And suddenly it was here and like, yeah, here's what's going on in the background. I'm like, you gave us no little breadcrumb trail to get to that before. You just made it up here just to give us a conclusion and make us like, oh, what's the twist? The twist is it's a trilogy. Ha ha. Oh, okay. I think I think the problem with something like that is not only is it not only is it a forced conclusion to whatever mm-hmm. he was trying to do with that. It also. Oh, my. OK, so this is. Maybe it's just me in the way that I see films, but there's two ways to me to tell a story when it comes to movies. There is you're watching everything from the main perspective of the main character or the camera is kind of the all seeing eye and you're looking in at a situation. Right. Unbreakable was from the perspective of Bruce Willis. 
Right. Split was from the perspective of whatever the, McAvoy was trying yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Glass is the camera is the all seeing eye. And it kind of yeah. breaks. It, 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 it does not fit very well. Am right, I am right. I wrong here? Am I off? Is no, it just I agree. Me? It didn't have the same feel because yeah, okay. they were going a different direction with okay. it. So, yeah. It's very yeah. weird. That's and, because and I, think, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan knows exactly what he... I don't think ooh. he had a trilogy in mind when he wrote it. I think he was just like, oh. I don't know. Do I, I, I'm with you 100%. I do not think... He did not have Split planned out when he made Unbreakable. I do not believe and that. When he, and when he did Split... I don't know. He didn't have glass split. No, not at all. When he did split, I don't think he made split with going, ooh, I'm going to tie this into Unbreakable until the very, very end. He like created this one scene that like ties them in together. Outside of that one scene, split would have been great as a standalone film. It feels like a stage hand was like, you know what would be really cool? If it was a tie into this, that would be awesome. And he was like, yeah, that is a good idea. I will do it. That, that's what it feels like. And it's just so it weird. It's so weird. It works for that movie. Like, it's one of those weird times where, like, okay, the cool idea worked for this movie. Maybe, maybe leave it alone. Like, Glass, I liked Glass. It was okay, but it didn't need to happen. So. Yeah. That almost reminds me, you were talking about just how it, how it kind of comes. There was a book series I read a while ago by um, an, an author named J.L. Bourne. And he did a book called Day by Day Armageddon. And it was kind of a Walking Dead type thing. But what was cool about it was the first one started off as, because it's called Day by Day Armageddon, it was journal entries. So he was basically writing each day or each time he sat down to explain what he went through throughout that day in great detail. And it's cool because the author was, you know, had a military background, so lots of detail in it. But then it got to the second book and it was no longer journal entries. It was a story. Okay. And it's like, oh. That t- that really it's like it's a different perspective. It, it takes away it's it's yeah yeah. So I mean, great story. It went well, but then you got to it and you're like, oh wait, this is. I mean, I know it's called Day by Day Armageddon, but it's not. This it's not the different. same perspective anymore. Yeah. So when you were saying that, I'm like, that's exactly what I what I think about. So anyway, yeah, okay, good. That's that's all I want to say about M Night. I mean, I I I appreciate what he did that like landed. But the other stuff, I'm kind of like, oh, man, maybe you should have just, like, you know, held mm. off and not did that one. <laughs> you know, like, nobody wants to talk about the crappening. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he looks and goes, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, like, that was just, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Because I don't think he even liked it. How could anybody like that movie? I don't understand. Anyway, maybe I'll, I'm going to have to rewatch it just because. The happening? Yeah, because I, I, I don't <laughs> Why would you do that anything, to yourself? I don't remember anything coming out of it. It just it felt like such a dead movie where it's like, oh, yeah, it was the trees. It was the trees. So hey, man, what? Hey, man. I think the trees are killing hey, us. Man. Hey, the trees, man. Hey, look. All I remember uh, from that. All you need to remember from that movie is that somebody becomes paralyzed and they are killed via lawnmower. Yeah, that's that, I, I that's that. that's it. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He just lays down in front of a lawnmower. lawnmower. Like, just lays down in front of a lawnmower. Um. Well, I just saw something that's kind of annoying. Did you know that Steven Spielberg has nothing to do with Indiana Jones Five? What? Yeah. That's kind of annoying. I mean, I, I hmm. That's that's troublesome. Like, what did he just like throw his hands up in the air and say, "I'm all set"? 
I don't know. Well, it's That's Indiana just, Jones 5. What would you do? I'm all set. I'm uh, all set. Yeah. He's like half yeah, there but, with but, Indiana Jones But Harrison 4. Ford's like, okay, let's go. Like, I don't understand. I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, so, yeah, Spielberg's kind of, he's taking the back seat at this point. Well, like he's, he's like 480 say, years old. He's been doing film Steven for, Spielberg, 480. Yeah, when 480 old. years old look as good, you will not. But That's anyway, years old. I don't care. I'm just, I'm quoting you now at this point. So, all right. But, well, that brings me over to, to Spielberg. I'm not um, the biggest Spielberg I mean, I'm just kind of touching upon them. I know you're not the biggest Spielberg fan, but the thing is, he has put out some fantastic films that, I mean, just the top four that are right on IMDb, Schindler's List, you can't deny that was a great film. No. E.T., fantastic film, mm. for what it was. Meh. For what it was, Meh. fantastic film. The Indiana Jones films. Meh. He hates you know? Indiana Jones films. <laughs> I know, I know, but as we know uh, what they are, but uh, Shaving Ryan's, uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I still can't say that one right. T- tons of movies that he's been involved in, and they've been fantastic. And as much as you might think it's Hook. dumb, Hook. Oh, geez, Hook. Jurassic yeah. Park. Jurassic Park. Uh huh. I mean, he was. Yeah. Jaws. He, he, and we're just talking directing. I mean, everything else that he's been involved with as far as producing, he's produced a ton. I mean, he's worked hand in hand with George Lucas, who, again, here we go, George Lucas. I mean, he's really mostly known for outside of, um, you know, Lost, or Raiders of the Lost Ark and all that stuff. Um, in Star Wars, there's American Graffiti, THX 1138, which pretty much like started everything. Without THX 1138, we wouldn't have had everything else that came from, from that. It's, it sparked everything. Um, and Ready I mean, Player One. Ready Player One. I hate uh-huh. that. Was exactly. fantastic. What? I hate Ready Player One. Ugh. Munich. Ready play- <laughs> I, uh, Catch me if uh, you can. Okay. I'm not yeah. saying that he hasn't done good movies. <laughs> but that's the thing. Okay. It's like so Steven Spielberg is the poster, poster child for a Hollywood success. <laughs> minority that's what report. he is. He's what? What did you say? <laughs> listen, listen. Steven Spielberg is the poster child for Hollywood success. I'm not, like, I'm not disagreeing about- with this. I agree with that. And I that. think that's what it comes down to. Steven Spielberg is just like he's known as the director. He has been known as the director. And that's just kind of how it is. It's like if you say, oh, you're like the next Spielberg, it's like, okay, you play it safe, you make a good movie that tells a good story, and that's that. But you know? that's the thing, though, is he he does play it safe, but he still tells a good story, still Absolutely. directs it well, still mm-hmm. makes it look good. He doesn't, you know, cheap out on certain areas. He still right. makes a good story. It's the right. ones who will overdo it in one area and then completely drop the ball in another area. And you're like, well, okay, great. So if you right. didn't focus so much on this and you added it to, so one of my guilty pleasures that you guys can't stand now is equilibrium. If they didn't <laughs> take the whole budget and put it just on fake Sean fire Bean and <laughs> Christian Bale, they could have made the special effects a little bit better. <laughs> they could have made, <laughs> you know. Oh man! Um, but when you put all your budget towards one thing and not the whole story, not the whole movie, that's where you start losing out. Um, 
I think so, that's I think I, mean, I think that's my problem with mainstream Hollywood in general is there isn't anybody that comes along that's a filmmaker that will take a whole lot of chances. And right. Spielberg, like you said, he's the poster child for success. That's because he's the poster child for just following the blueprint. Absolutely. And I'd and I'd say right right along like right behind him, like right on his heels, would be Robert Zemeckis. Um, you know, I, I love the Back to the Future movies just because the, the, the concept is really cool, you know, but, and, and what it did at the time, it was, it was a huge, huge hit. Um, but you've got like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, you know, What Lies Beneath, that was an interesting okay, one. Okay, Who Cast Framed Roger Rabbit Express. is awesome. Who Framed Roger Rabbit it, is a right? fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the way they married, the way they married, um, you know, Drawn, like hand-drawn with, animation yes. with real life was great. I mean, you had other stuff like Cool World and things like that that was just like, no, 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 no. But that that was a fantastic concept. And now they redid that that idea with the new um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's basically the same thing now. They, well, they it mixed was hand everything. Drawn, it was hand-drawn with CGI with real life. So it was right. It was, like, it was like 30 years of animation all put into one film. Well, plus they actually had references in that movie to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. At one point, you've got, you know, Sweet Pete, who's a big, he's like a fat mob boss, Peter Pan, who opens up a drawer and inside you see a bottle of dip. I was like, that is awesome. Mm -hmm. There were so many references in it that were fantastic. I mean, aside from, I'd say right now, aside from Space Jam, A New Legacy and Chippendale Rescue Rangers, they had the greatest throwbacks to our childhood I've, I think I've ever seen in like a kid's thing today. Legacy was still... Except for if it wasn't for the throwbacks, that movie would have flopped. Oh, absolutely! But when they horrible. brought back like when they brought back like the Penguin and Batman and like oh, yeah. like Harry Potter, everything Warner Brothers, it would they were like we're no longer just doing Looney Tunes. Let's just go full on into every every IP and Warner Brothers. It was fantastic. So, but I mean, going back to Zemeckis, I mean he he just did the new Pinocchio, which I haven't seen. Um, but I mean, he's done a ton. I mean, Castaway is definitely one of my favorite movies and Forrest Gump, you know, so two of, two of my favorite movies. I love Castaway because of how simplistic it is. It's one guy by himself. And the only reason why it's not super boring is because he had, uh, Wilson. I was going to say Spalding, um, Wilson that he gets to talk to the whole time, you know, and it just shows like what happens when you're off on your own. And it's funny because there was a TV show a few years back, actually many years back now called the last man on earth. Did you guys ever see that? It was on Fox, I think. I saw, I saw um, a couple of episodes. I think I checked out was, after it, like the third episode where it's like, oh, look at all these new people. Like, okay, this is no longer interesting. Yeah, it, it got weird. I think we watched two seasons of it, <laughs> and it was, it, was, it, was, it was entertaining, you know, just like, oh. And they didn't explain why people died, but then later on you found out it was a virus and certain people were immune, and he had a long-lost brother up in space who was an astronaut who came back down, and I don't know. It, it got really interesting, but um, in that... Um, he, he's alone. So he takes all these different balls and takes the idea from Castaway. And he's like, Steve, Jeff, Bert, Ryan, Cassandra, like he, name a ball. It was a ping pong ball, a tennis ball, a golf ball. He, he they all had faces on them. And that's, that's, those are his friends. And it was just like big joke on that. But anyway, um, tons of great films that came from Zemeckis, but nothing that was like, wow, that just blew my mind. It's just like, oh, these are good stories. I'll watch this again. I mean, all the way back to, like, Romancing the Stone and whatnot, um, you know, and it's, it's cool. So, aside from all those, I mean, we get into the ones that I, that are, these are my guilty pleasures. If we're talking about directors, my guilty pleasure directors would be Sam Raimi and Wes Craven. 
Not that I, I watch horror stuff anymore, but there was something about the style that they had. Wes Craven, his goofiness, like even just watching Scream. Do you remember that scene in Scream where he's just, where uh, Fonzie comes out of his office because he's the principal and he says he says something and, and this guy's like, what'd you just call me? And you look up and it's basically Freddy Krueger as the janitor. It's this old guy. Um, actually, now, is it, it was Freddy this old Kruger guy playing. Or is it Robert England? No, no, no. It was actually... Wes Craven dressed up oh. in a in an ugly Christmas sweater and a hat mopping the floor and he's like what'd you just call me and he goes oh nothing Fred sorry and then he goes away like dumb little things like that or even just the movie The Serpent and the Rainbow which was just so corny or People Under the Stairs you know I mean geez, that was 91 it seems like it was older but I mean Wes Craven's New Nightmare was a great retelling of of the old movie what a way to break a fourth wall in an entire film like bringing, making it all about the actors who played in the movie um, and how they're they're the ones being attacked because Wes Craven's having new nightmares and the script is coming to life because of these nightmares. It, it, great concept. I thought I didn't think his stuff was bad, you know, and, but it, the thing is, it's horror. So horror could be scary or comedic and they can and they can make it good because of that. Right. Right back to the obvious Sam Raimi who did Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, you know, as far as horror stuff. And then you've got stuff like Dark Man, which is, like, really corny. you got the Spider-Man, you know, the original Spider-Man trilogy with uh, the Maguire. Um, you know, Sam Raimi, I, I, I loved his style. I thought Drag Me to Hell was, was a hilarious movie. I laughed the entire time. Um, and then, you know, we get something like, uh, you know, what we just saw, which was uh, Doctor Strange. And that was a big jump. You know, so I'm surprised uh, Michael Schumacher isn't on there for you. I don't know who Michael Schumacher is. Sorry, Joel um, Schumacher. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm trying to. Billy Joel. Um. So, no, Schumacher's definitely not on there. And if anybody heard the actual full episode <laughs> that we released, you would know uh, that I wasn't just going off on how great Schumacher was. It was just like, man, how much greater. Could it have been if, if Tim Burton stayed on and, you know, they allowed him to do what he wanted to do or even, yeah, whatever. But that's my, well, my was, two, my two guilty pleasures would be Raimi and Wes Craven just because there's a, there's a goofiness to their, their style that I thought was, was perfect. I mean, going back to the scene in, um, uh, Red Eye, you ever see Red Eye with, uh, Cillian Murphy and, um, uh, Rachel McAdams? Mm, yep. And she stabs him in the throat with the pen and next time you see me just goes, I don't know why that was too funny to me, but he was just like, he was just done. Like whatever we're done here. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say about those. And then as far as a, uh, a director, I just never liked until recently Zack Snyder. I don't know what it is. I don't like the way things are shot. I don't like the flow of his movies. They just never really worked for me until the Snyder cut of justice league was released. And so I don't you know like if it's, the Snyder it's, cut of Justice League, and that's it. But that's the thing is, I feel like I don't know if I if I like that movie because it just it redeemed how bad Justice League was, in my opinion. How bad or, do you think Justice League was? Because Justice League in of itself wasn't a horrible movie. It was just so rushed. Like all it these characters, rushed, the characters were horrible. introduced in a way that just didn't flow right. Right. It made <clears> no <throat> sense. I mean, you introduce Wonder Woman and and Flash, and I'm just like. Oh, okay. Like I just didn't care. Yeah, it just it didn't do it for me. But maybe I was just I was spoiled by the way the MCU did it. 
Because the MCU, the only time they really brought in characters that we didn't really know too much about that, you know, weren't like a big deal was at the time uh, was uh, T'Challa. When they brought in Black Panther and was it Age of Ultron? No, not Age of Ultron. Civil War. Civil, yeah. They brought him in in Civil War and then they gave him a movie after that. I'm like, oh, that was really well done because you weren't like, who is this guy? Uh, you know, you understood who he was and like, OK, we'll learn more about him later. And we did. So they I did I that think, with a lot of characters in the MCU, though. Black Widow, uh, uh, Hawkeye. Well, Black Widow, <laughs> the movie Black Widow was not great, but th- those were Hawkeye and Black Widow were, were not main characters. They were they were more supporting. Sure. They are main characters. Uh, How are they yeah. not main characters? When they first were introduced, watch Hawkeye and Avengers. He's just like an agent who happens to have arrows. They didn't make the him out to be... Fir- right, in the very first right. movie. After that, right. though? Because they built him up. They built him up properly. They didn't just throw him in there and say, hey, we need you to make this whole movie work. Can you, like, you know, use your sparks to create this monster and bring back Superman? I, I don't know. It just... I. I didn't like it, and I cannot go back. It's almost like when you when you ask me to to think about the um, Donner cut versus the theatrical cut of Superman two. I don't remember which one's which anymore. What do you mean? Here we go. I'm just saying I don't like either of them because because both sides had good points. But the point either of them. I know I like them both. But I feel like there's a better the cut Donner, that could be I made. Think I the, think the, the I, Donner cut is when they just redo the ending of the first movie where he just flies up in space and rewinds time. And that's, well, that's I because think that's they the Donner cut. Yeah, it is. Because okay. they didn't have an ending. They didn't have the endings like filmed or anything. So they're like, oh, I guess we'll just do this and just negate the entire two movies. I'm like, oh, well, great. But that's because they didn't have any other ending done because it's not negating the entire two movies. It's at the Uh, end of the first movie. It's at the end of the first movie, not the second movie. You also have to take into consideration when was the Donner cut released? It it was it was like what? Almost almost a decade and a half after the actual Westwell Lester's version of the movie came out. So Right. uh, I'm just saying but that's the thing is like I I really enjoyed the Donner cut, but there, I for, I, it's been so long. But I do remember there were certain parts of the theatrical version that I really did enjoy. And I'm like, if I could just do my own fan cut, you know, that would be I I would be happy watching that. I think the I think you know, the theatrical this, this, version of Superman two is fantastic by itself. I don't think anything of the of, in that movie needs to change. Well, nope. one was one had had Jor-El, right, and the other one had his mother. That was like his guide. That was the whole difference yes. between the two. That was one of the big difference between the two. Yes. Was it, it was, you know, either mom or dad. Um, well, that, but, that, I mean, that was again, that was that was tons. Brando playing politics, though, when he just was looking for a payday. Yeah. So blame but, Brando for that. Yeah. <laughs> but my thing here is I'd say I say Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice so, League, I thought, was a fantastic four, four and a half hour, whatever it was. So speaking about um, speaking about Zack Snyder, how do the two of you feel about Watchmen? I, I don't like it. That's what I said. I don't like, I didn't like anything else. Chuck? Really? Watchmen? You're giving me, you're giving me some stank eyes, man. <laughs> you're like, you're like, really, you're going to... You're giving me the look like I'm really making you talk about that movie. <laughs> okay, never mind. So, so, so here's the thing. I like Watchmen. I like the premise of the story Watchmen. I thought it was fantastic. 
What I don't like about Watchmen, and this is what I don't like when it fits for um, Deadpool, but when they did um, Logan and they went this route, when they're mm-hmm. doing a comic book superhero, you know, DC or Marvel, in this case, this case DC, um, story, and there's, you know, I can handle language in the film, but when it's a DC film, like when they did Logan, they literally put the F word in there a hundred times just to compete with, yes, Deadpool because uh, because because Hugh Jackman wanted to compete with Ryan Reynolds on Deadpool, right? Um, and when they did the when they did Watchmen, they did the same thing, and the only part that really I, I had a hard time with, and again, you know, like in They Live, they have the sex scene at the end of the film. <laughs> It, it, to me, that's just hilarious. It was, it was, it, it, you're like, huh? Like, what is going on? What's the matter, baby? The, you're right. But, but when they did the whole sex scene inside of the cockpit of the plane, that, of their plane in Watchmen, you're like, that it's, it's, you know, it doesn't fit for the movie. Um, mm. So things like that I didn't like. The darkness of who they are, the the storytelling. I mean, the the way he portrayed Warshak was just beautifully done. Now, mind you, I haven't seen this movie in ten years or more, so it's been a long time since I watched that film. But that film did break a lot of barriers when it came out. It did. Um, yeah, it did. Yeah, it really did. That's why I give um, that movie as much credit as I do. That movie changed a lot of how to look at a superhero movie. It really it, did. It, it doesn't get. It, the, it, I, it was I one think of the first ones that kind of went. It wasn't bright and bubbly exactly. and exciting. They were almost like they were almost like anti heroes. Yes, that were heroes. Yes, very right. much so. So, have you ever read the graphic novel? I personally have not. No. So I I have. I own it, and it's it's one of the it's one of the best graphic novels ever ever written so when the movie came out i was really excited now i'm not going to get into comparisons i'm not going to do that here at all because it's just it's 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 a moot point what i will say about the movie is if the movie never happened dare i say i don't think you get something like the dark knight trilogy i i don't hmm. think that happens without Watchmen laying the groundwork. I think Watchmen gets a bad rep from a lot of people because of how dark it is, because of the way that it portrays his characters, because of what you just said, the 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 the, the gratuitous of, of that sex scene in that movie. I think it I think it gets a bad rep. I don't think it gets the respect that it deserves. One of the reasons is because there's a lot of people who just get turned off by Snyder films. And 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 that's fine, to each his own. And another reason for the reasons that I just stated, but it, it deserves a lot of respect because of the barriers that it broke, because of what it was mm. able to accomplish for superhero movies as a whole. It gave a whole new oh. concept to the way that it could be done. And I, right. I, have, a, I have a lot of respect for something like that. And so I will tell name? you this, Will, what's just because the guy- just to catch you off here for a second, Batman Begins released in 2005, The Dark Knight released in 2008, The Watchmen released in 2009. Okay, never mind then. I'm way off. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm like just before we go too far here. Okay, then, never mind. I'm way off. So you know. to, to Will's point, though, I don't think the Watchmen would have happened if it wasn't for back. Batman <laughs> okay, fine. That's okay. That's the other way around. The other way around. Um, yeah, and I, so I think I think what happened was Batman Begins set the precedent for a new type of superhero film that wasn't all like goofiness and this and that, and it said, "Hmm, we can make it more of a serious thing." And the Watchmen's like, "How far can we push this?" You know, and, and Zack they, Snyder and took, thing, took what they, he did from 300 and just, like, shoved it into a superhero type thing. And th- that's what it really came down to. They, they were pushing. They were seeing how far we could push the envelope. The graphic and novel was released R. back in the 80s. Right. The graphic novel was released back in the 80s. Yeah. And when was the, the Dark Knight graphic novel novels released? Probably after that still. But there's tons of graphic novels that have been around for a very long time that are graphic novels for a reason. They were rated R. You know, they were not just like, oh, here's a cool little comic of Batman, pow, and, you know, zap. You know, like, that's what it comes down to. But I, I think when you're doing it, when you're doing a, a live-action adaptation, um, you know, that's, it's different. But here's the thing, though, with Zack Snyder, Man of Steel was a great film. I'm, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Man of Steel. I stand by this, um, yeah. 300? 300, the, the, the original 300 film was great. The second one was stupid. Um, but then Zack Snyder didn't do the second movie either. Um, let's see here. Um, Watchmen. Yeah, the, du- again, the Dark Knight Watchmen, Returns was in 86. With Watchmen, if, 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 he, if he did Watchmen and left that scene out and left, you know... Made the what's his name the blue guy, Doctor Manhattan. Um, yeah, they could have you know left parts of him, you know, <laughs> to the imagination, and that and defeats, that, 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 that I get it. I gotta push back on that man. That defeats the purpose. It defeats the purpose of that character. I'm sorry. You could be uncomfortable all you want to be, but the fact that Doctor Manhattan is is does not need clothes and is glowing blue and he's otherworldly is the whole point behind that character. I get it, but I, yeah. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What I was saying, Frank, Frank Miller did the dark Knight returns back in 1986 too. So yeah, th- these things were, were a lot darker way back in the day. I mean, the killing joke was written in 88. I didn't realize that. So yeah, we've we've had a lot of dark stories that came out of the '80s as far as comics, but when you start bringing it to a film adaptation, you know that's when it's like, well, which way are we going to go with this? Are we going to go as dark? You know, are we going to lighten it up a little bit so we can hit a, a more broader audience? Um, and and really, the question comes down to, I mean, you know, is how is this gonna how is this gonna be received? Um, and I, I personally, I I didn't I didn't receive it. You know, I I didn't. It didn't. It didn't hit for me. Okay. You know, it was a miss. Okay. That's just my opinion. So but. moving on from this, well, another. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna move. No, I was on. gonna just bring up. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, <laughs> go ahead. Go, because that's the second time that you go. 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 It's, it's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. You know, I brought up. Um, they live, and you know, <laughs> for such a weird director, you know. Carpenter did some pretty great films that were just funny, but you know, like the thing, the thing, you know, the thing was, yeah. Have you seen the thing? <laughs> yeah. 
Did he do the remake too? Because I didn't see that. Um, oh, I have no idea. I, I don't even know that there was a remake. Me, oh, yeah. It came out a few years ago. Yeah. So there was the... Let me see here. So there was the thing in 1982 with Kurt, with Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one, I think in like 2011 or something like that. Let me see here. No, no, no. It was more recent. 2011. It had to be. Nope, really? 2011. Yep, 2011. Wow. I thought it was only a few uh, years ago. But that yeah. was not a John it was not a John Carpenter film oh, at there all. There you go okay. then. Um, <laughs> so, so so John Carpenter does not do what Wes Craven does. He doesn't remake his own films and then make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when he does movies like that, like again, I go back to They Live. It is horribly done, but it is done in such a way where you remember that film. And it will always, once you see it once, it'll stick with you forever. There's no forgetting. It's not, if you ask somebody, I'm willing to bet, if you ask somebody, have you seen They Live? They either have or they haven't. It's not like, um, is that the movie about? No, they either no. have seen it or they haven't. And if you've seen it, right, you're, you know the film. You know the movie. You're not forgetting about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. but, John, but John Carpenter does films that stick with you for a long time. And I think he, outside of They Live, I think overall he does a great job telling a story. No, he does. Overall. He's one of them. He's uh, up there. So he's up there with me. And, you know, he, he doesn't do as much anymore, but, you know, he did some good stuff then. So so I do want to throw a back, pair back to you, Will. of directors in here now that we're talking. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say the Coen brothers. There isn't a Coen Brothers movie that I've seen that I did not at least like. Most of them, I adore. So just Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, The Man Who Wasn't There, Lady Killers, No Country for Old Men. Like, that string of films is... It's fantastic. ...is a fantastic string of movies up and down. And just the way that they utilize theater of the absurd, there is no reason... In a movie like Fargo, that that Nygaard character played by Willem Dafoe shouldn't have died, but if somehow fumbles and bumbles his way through that entire film. It's ridiculous. In The Big Lebowski, the fact that he's walking around with, what, what's his drink? Oh my God. Um, the White Russian. A White Russian. The fact that he's walking around through the <laughs> entire movie with a right, White Russian. Why? And it, it's just all about him wanting a rug? What? Like, it's so ridiculous and of course stupid but it's fantastic and of course now did you of course like it's not theater of the absurd but it's still like a fantastic storytelling no country for old men no country for old men like in my top 10 movies of all time of all time it's a no it's a brilliantly written it's fantastic the man who have you seen that yet no what how have you not seen no country for old men I fell asleep. We talked about this. How did you fall asleep in No Country for Old Men? I don't know. How did I fall asleep watching Jurassic World? Well, this is my first time hearing this. (laughs) I never knew that you fell asleep during this movie. We talked about this. Oh, my God. Anyways, um, uh, uh, moving on from that. Um, The Man Who Wasn't There is arguably Billy Bob Thornton's performance of a lifetime. If you understand... Once you, it, it's, it's one of those movies that once you see the way that movie ends and then you go back and you watch it a second time, your, your eyes cannot look away from Billy Bob Thornton for a second. Your, 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 
entrenched in 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 that character. It's fantastic. And even even after No Country for Old Men, the Coen brothers kind of took uh, somewhat of a dive. I did not care for a serious man. I did not care for Suburbicon. But, you know, they're still they're still fine for what they are. But, you know, from the from the late 90s, to, well, the, the, the mid to late 90s to around the mid 2000s, like those 10 years, they, they didn't miss. Not once. Like everything, think- everything that they have done was superb on all levels. So much so that FX did one, two, three, four seasons of a television show called Fargo. It's not based on the movie Fargo. It's basically just a love letter to all Coen Brothers movies. It's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. So I, I, will, I will leave that out there. I don't want to. And I think to you, I think to your point though, we've all been kind of saying this. A lot of the good directors that we like go up until the mid two thousands, and then they start to fall off. Like you're mm-hmm. not seeing the stuff that we enjoy in a film, the stuff that really tells the story, kind of stop mid to late two thousands, and then it kind of. Well, what happened in the mid to late two thousands? Graphic, just computer animation exactly. took off. Right. The MCU you know? completely took over and dominated. That's what happened. Yeah, that's part of the people. People aren't going to to watch movies for the story anymore. No, they're they want not. It for the spectacle. That's part, and that's part of the problem. <laughs> it's. it's, it's I have a I have a love hate relationship with the MCU for this reason. I love the MCU because the storytelling is fantastic, and I hate the MCU because it's killing cinema. Mm. It, it is. It, it, this is. This is. This is. A, this is a subjective truth. It killed cinema. I think that's. A, I think that's an objective truth. <laughs> uh, to each his own. I. I don't think. I think this. I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to go off on that tangent. Mm. But yeah. Anything else? Yeah. No, I think that's it for me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know. We kind of talk about directors all the time. Um, right. <laughs> but, you know, it was kind of nice to just go into different directors that, you know. Lee, is there one that you don't like? Because you didn't share anything that you don't like about I, I said Zack Snyder. It's just for some reason the director's cut of... of uh, that, that, so that's my whole point that I was getting at. I don't know if I really enjoy Zack Snyder's Justice League or I'm just so happy that it's better than the other one. And that's why I've, I'm forgiven it. I, I don't know. So, so how, it's, about, it's hard how about someone it, like John Krasinski? Yeah. He, I mean, John Krasinski and Place Jordan Part Peele and ha, have, have blown, blown my mind yes. with what they've yes. done. How about because the new Get Up Out was fantastic. Olivia Wilde? Um, well, we didn't watch that. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Olivia Wilde is becoming a director. She's starting to do direct, she's starting to direct film now. Hmm. She's the one who did that, that, what, like, like, chill out, my darling, or something, whatever it is. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever it is. She was in Tron. She was in House. She was in a lot of stuff. She was in House. She was in Year, she was in year One. <laughs> oh. That was the worst. That movie was awful. <laughs> she, was, she was in that movie where, uh, where Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman switch bodies. Oh, yay. You remember that one? No. They both, they both peed into the same fountain. What? 
Oh, and then yes. They I, it was like, I wish I had your life. I wish I had your life. And then next thing, you know, they switched. And then they tried to go back to the fountain to pee in it again. The fountain got moved. So they had to figure out where it went. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was so dumb. All right. It was so dumb. All anyway. right. So I, I think that's, uh, that's it for us. Today. One final I'm director directing. I want to mention, because I, I, I brought <laughs> him up before, but I, I didn't go into a whole... Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, if he is, he is fantastic at, at, at what he does. So I'll just name Magnolia is awesome. It is an awesome movie. It is very character based. It is a story told from, I want to say five different main character perspectives. Um, all of them living their own lives, all of them different. And the way that they all kind of intertwine in the end is, is poetic. Oh, it's fantastic. Punch drunk love. Punch drunk okay, love. Yep. Punch drunk love is. That was so interesting. I can't stress enough. Adam Sandler. It, it really bothers me that you get a lot of these comedians who are able to seamlessly transition into a dramatic role and they do it so fluidly. Adam Sandler doesn't get the credit that he deserves. So Punch Drunk Love, Uncut Gems, mm. he is fantastic. And mm. I, 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 I know that's probably blasphemous to a lot of people out there who look at Adam Sandler movies like, what are we doing? <laughs> he is fantastic at, at, at what he's capable of doing in those kind of roles. Uh, yeah. Chuck, I've recommended that you watch The Master. I still recommend that you watch The Master if you're a fan of Joaquin Phoenix because it's his, it's, it's, he's fantastic. And um, what was the other one? Oh, and There Will Be Blood starring Daniel Day-Lewis, which is another yeah. just, yeah. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Just some recommendations. The Master, you said? Yes. The Master, yeah. Is this like a being John Malkovich type film? <laughs> Where everything's seen from his eyes? No. Okay. Amy Adams. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. Rip. Yeah, I know. You know what's crazy, though, is there's, there's, there's directors like Peter Jackson, who... I don't know how you haven't seen The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbits yet. I mean... If you go on IMDb and you look at what he's done, he's done six Lord of the Rings films and six Hobbit films because he has the theatrical versions and then he has the director's cut, the extended versions, and they're all listed. Um, but when he did those movies, I have never seen anyone tell a story the way Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a fantastic job with that film. Um <clears throat> The sets were real. Um, the scenery was real. Um, the storytelling was fantastic. Um, not a lot of CG put into the film. I mean, he did use it when needed, but you can't really tell. Um, I mean, obviously you can tell because there's things that are not real that are in the film, and you're like, that's obviously, you know, made up. Um, but, like, all the scenes. Like, there's a city in the second movie of um, this village, the, the land of Rohan, and they actually built this city or this village on top of this hill, the Shire. They actually build it and he uses it. Uh, so he put a lot of effort into doing film like that and telling the story. And I thoroughly appreciate 
someone who does something like that. So he's he's probably one of my tops for how he does storytelling personally. Mm. Wow. And then you have you know the Wachowskis. Is it the Wachowskis now? Have they have they they still the They're the Wachowski sisters now. They're the Wachowskis. Oh, they're the Wachowski sisters now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when they yeah. did the first Matrix, what were they? I forget. The Wachowski, the Wachowski brothers. brothers. And then the second Matrix? The Wachowski brothers. I think still, they transitioned think? after the third film. Yeah. I think. I'm not 100% sure yeah. on that one. Yeah. They. This is a team they effort. <laughs> first we're brothers, now we're sisters. Um, but let me see here. Is, is there a way... F- is there anybody streaming the master right now? I have no idea. I'll have to look for it. And it's I'll on. Watch it. It's yeah. on. It's on. We'll take a look. It's, it's on there. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I'll find it. I'll watch it, and we'll we'll talk about that sometime. All right. So sounds good. All right, guys. It was a pleasure. So have a great day. Have a good one, everybody. See you later, everybody.